Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woohoo! We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss LGBTQ plus history. We are Thomas. Kendall. And this week we're going to talk to you about the first openly gay Olympian, Robert Jeffrey Dover, and the one and only Lady Gaga. Oh, I'm not familiar with her. Oh yeah, we've never heard her. She's in, she's new on the scene, so we'll we'll talk about her because I, I'm sure there's no one who's many of our listeners have never heard of her. So we she's she's I think will be a gay icon. We like to highlight new talent mm-hmm. that's yeah. coming up on the scene. Definitely, definitely this woman, Lady Gaga. Is she a woman? No, I heard she might be a man. Might have a Michael Penis. I don't know. Just kidding. I'm intrigued. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, let's also talk about a recent Gallup poll. Let's talk about our friends at, at Big Bones. A recent Gallup poll shows that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. And while we're growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, maybe we've considered, we may not have considered the effects of stress on our pets. According to a 2019 study, there is a synchronization between stress hormones and humans and their dogs. If you're a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. Well, we're always working to reduce uh, our stress in any way we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Baked Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Baked Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients, and full-spectrum hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. You can check out BakedBones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and other benefits it may provide. Baked Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% using the promo code GAYSTUFF15. That's G-A-Y-S-T-U-F-F-1-5. Baked Bones is LGBTQ-owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Uh, you know what else uh, about Baked Bones? You can actually find them in stores, and as we're slowly getting vaccinated and slowly making our way out into uh, the world with our masks on and still staying socially distanced, uh, you can hop into a store called Man Ready Mercantile, which is based in Houston in the Heights, and there's also a store in Austin where you can find Baked Bones on the shelf. Baked Bones proudly donates 10% of all of its profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Baked Bones, Baked Dogs, Happy! Whoa. Uh, you look, it looks and it's like, for straight dogs too, right? Uh, straight dogs and gay dogs. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, they're very inclusive at Baked Bones. Well, the gay dog, the day, the gay dogs, I hear they don't like meat, but they sure like the bone. So that would be more appropriate. I think <laughs> that would be appropriate. Um, I feel like my tongue is like 10 times the size it normally is. Apparently I'm going to blame allergies because I, I cannot talk. So I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna make it through the podcast, okay? So well, it's okay if you don't. We'll one, just end it early. One week after the world doesn't need to know about Lady Gaga. Am I saying it correctly? It's Gaga. Oh, okay. Uh, one week after having my vaccine, and I have allergies. And a swollen tongue. And a swollen tongue. Hmm. I don't. It's not a side effect. It, they're they're not related. But I just wanted to, because last week we talked about getting. I was, I got the vaccine. Chris got the vaccine. Spence is getting his vaccine tomorrow, um, and so. Uh, but if you hear me nasally, it is the allergies and not a side. I'm effect. on the list. It's like the new Studio 54 list. Oh, I haven't made it in yet. Well, we're in Texas, so effective Monday, I guess. Um, it's open to everybody. All all people. You well, that's because be. there aren't many people in the Texan line. Freedom. <laughs> Right, the Republicans don't want to. 
don't want to get their vaccine. So we'll gladly take it. Well, now they're saying, we told you one day it would just disappear as millions of people get vaccinated. Yeah. Well, they're like, see, it's going away. That's what Donald Trump said. And he also said it was like the flu, which the flu kills, what, twenty to 30,000 people a year? And this vaccine killed half a million Americans. But hey, numbers and facts, right? Uh, yeah. Anything else going on? Rachel Levine oh. was confirmed. I feel like that's iconic. Huge. Transgender Assistant Secretary of Health. So it's the first time, I believe, that a trans uh, person was nominated or confirmed by the Senate. Yeah. It was yeah. a vote of 52 to 48. Two Republicans voted for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, oh my God, that's iconic. That is. I mean, we talked about Pete Buttigieg, but hey, you know, us gays are we're a dime a dozen these days. Like, we're, you know. Too many. Too many we're of like us. Like roaches scattering. But a trans uh, person to become, like, to become nominated and uh, and then to be confirmed. And, and bipartisan, if you want to count two, as being bipartisan. Well, I also think, you know, all this trans fear phobia, the laws that are passing, like Tennessee just passed a law that if you're trans you can't participate in the school sport of your identifying gender which is really do we need a law right saying an eight-year-old has to but part of that i think is because of somebody like rachel levine like as trans people come more accepted and we understand that they're not mentally ill um we're seeing these laws being passed that are obviously anti-trans always done in the name of children right which, I mean, you never cared about your children before, but now all of a sudden you do. Uh, but I, I, I do think on the flip side of that, though, I do think you'll see as as we start to see uh, Dr. Rachel Levine be successful in her job at such a high level, um, hopefully we get to see a lot of her, too. Um, we will become more accepting. And, you know, when these re- conservative legislator, <clears throat> legislative bodies want to pass these uh, these anti-trans laws, like people will stand up and be like, "There's a trans person." Well, they're not doing it yet. <clears throat> well, not yet, but I mean, she. Has but a- you can pass any ridiculous law in a Democratic state. I mean, a Republican state. They're passing them today with that voting rights law or whatever they're calling it. For instance, it's illegal now to offer food and water to anyone standing in line. Yeah, what is that? Like, a, is that just a, a like a? Um, Oh, I'll tell you what that is. is. Like, what is the law there? Well, you look at the whole law. For example, they've limited the number of voting booths per precinct, like per polling station, regardless of how many people are using that. So the goal is to eliminate the number of polling. This is one of the goals: polling locations. Not only that, but in the polling locations, to say you can only have, let's say, ten machines. Okay, imagine that line. And then you make the line so unbearable to be in and so long that you can't even be given food and water so you don't stay. That's what it's about. Right. Isn't that pathetic? I thought the, the saying was, though, any poll is a goal. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it is pathetic. Uh, it's it's actually because uh, I, I saw a lot of it on Twitter. But you, when on Twitter, you can only, what's that, 100 and 200 and something characters. So you don't get the full story. And I've uh, some of these things, I'm like, this is just clickbait. But um 
and I haven't done the research. It's not that I wasn't going to research it, but I haven't researched it in time for this podcast. So I was wondering what the just story snuck was. upon you yeah. our weekly podcast. Yeah, I was wondering what the story was behind it. And uh, thank Texas you for has their own coming out. So all these Republican states are in the name of uh, the supposed voter fraud that was never proven. Even the lady Sidney Powell that was. Why would anyone believe me? Trump's attorney that was uh, suing all these states for voter fraud is now being so sued by um, a voting machine company. And she said, no, because no one in their right mind would say that I was serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all like a sad comedy. What is it, the Heritage Foundation? That's a conservative group, right? Mm-hmm. So they did the study because they're the ones that they always get cited for. Um uh, voter fraud, and so they. I th- if you look at their database pre twenty twenty, there was like thirteen hundred cases of voter fraud, which seems like a lot, but they did a pretty thorough analysis of every election, local, county, state, like city, uh, national, since the nineteen eighties. So that's a ton of elections. So and are those convictions or cases? Uh, convictions. Really? No, no, no. Cases. Yeah, exactly. So, but so, and I think I I Anybody don't know the right number. Anybody can have a case for voter fraud. What is the mm-hmm. if you're not convicted, then right. And so, um, even if it was convictions, it's still thirteen hundred out of you're talking millions. And uh, for for he Zakaria CNN, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he said it better than I. He was like basically when you add it all, all when you compare the the denominator to the to this you know thirteen hundred is like point zero 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 one percent of all of you know cases of voter fraud when you consider of all the elections that are incorporated into this database and the thirteen hundred well it seems like a lot but that's point zero 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 one so it it's so minute it's that it's such a thing that doesn't have it look don't get me wrong. We should not, voter fraud should not be a thing. Like, we need to, if there is voter fraud, we need to figure out ways to minimize, especially if there are patterns of it. Uh, But there's no proof of systemic voter fraud, especially in the 2020 election. No, it has this whole subtext of um, minorities are stealing something from you. So if they see black people, Hispanic people, anyone that's not white voting, it's they think it's um, because they're doing something to take away from them. But these voter, these restrictive voter laws are actually very american i mean the lie we tell ourselves as americans is that we're a a country welcoming to immigrants that's if we are that's relatively new thanks to liberals we tell ourselves that we're um all about voting and we're this great democracy we're a republic which is a former democracy but let's not forget that when we started you had to be a wealthy land-owning white man to vote it was not easy to vote right and they wanted a very particular person to vote and we're going back to our roots <laughs> that's always been the struggle in this country that's what jim crow voting uh laws were about the yeah. poll tax and the literacy test and all that it was to make it back to it needs to to a lot of white people they think only white people should vote it's crazy to, i think it's wait, what were you gonna say that's the usa yeah, I just feel like it's crazy that we're having this conversation in 2021. Like, this is still... We always will. And 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 it, it seems so unfounded, uh, and yet we continue to have it. And you've got prominent uh, uh, politicians that are like, oh, we need to... Uh, this is These voter 
restrictions. No, they're uh, talking to their white base that put them in office. There's a lot of white fear out there. What are they scared of, Kendall? You're white. What y'all scared of? Well, not me, but I come from a Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They're scared that the the perch, the alpha position that white people, white straight Christians have had in this country since day one, that they've kept that position through violence. Um, they're scared that that's going to be threatened, that they won't have the advantages their ancestors have had, that this country was this country was built for white supremacy, period. So anytime someone who's, and it's very specific, it's a white, Christian, straight patriarchy. So women have had to fight to get some kind of near equality. Every other race has had to fight um, to get some kind of near equality. Any other person that doesn't identify as heterosexual has had to beg just for basic acknowledgement or rights or just for the right to be left alone. Yeah. So... It benefits the people that are in power to have a system where they get to make all the decisions and then we just beg for any scraps. It benefits them. And that's what all of this is based upon. Yeah, it's it's sad because, it, like I said, it gets... Uh, we're, we're still having the conversation. I was li- listening to uh, an interview with Rick Scott. He was the Wyoming and uh, Wisconsin. No, Rick Scott is Florida, no, but Florida. you're talking about... Uh, it's something, uh, Scott. Uh, Scott Walker. Yes. Uh, Scott White Walker. Uh, no, he was talking about um, he's uh, uh, leading some nonprofit organization, basically trying to restore conservatism amongst uh, the the youths. And he's like, some of the things he's like, some of the atrocities that were happening in today's society. We're talking about like uh, people kneeling for the flag. He's like, you know, there are, uh, you know, he was talking about Mark Cuban, I guess, at one, who's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks at one point was going to say, we're just not going to do the national anthem anymore. Uh, I guess that, that got reversed. And he's saying, you know, this, I can't believe this stuff is happening. You know, when I was growing up, you know, we would just all stand up for the, the flag and, and, and sing the national anthem. And like that, we did that as pride. And I'm like, yeah, we did. We did. And, and I liked doing that. And I still get some pride out of you know, singing the national anthem and that, that moment. But you forget, you know, 20, 30, even today, there is systemic discrimination. Like, I mean, even- well, this is the same flag they were wearing as capes on January 6th and beating to death a cop. Right. They don't care about that flag. Right. But it, unless it, it's used to subjugate other people. Yeah. And it is like, so why could, why should I, I mean, for all these years, uh, up until 2015, I couldn't get married. So I should be standing up for, you know, with pride for the flag for a country that discriminates against me. And well, I know conservatives mm-hmm. are like, well, you're being ungrateful. But I'm like, you're the one who's like, oh, no one can tell me and, you know, push me down and I'm going to stand up for my rights and I'm going to, my, my, you know, I'm going to keep my guns and my Bibles. And yet, if I have an issue that I'm being re- like legally discriminated against, like the law, the books, like until 2003, I couldn't legally have sex, and then until 2015, I couldn't legally get married. Like, why shouldn't I be mad? And except instead, I'm being a whiny snowflake. Like that. Well, in 2001, I was 18. I was a freshman in college when 9/11 happened, and there was immediately like, "Are people my age going to get drafted?" And I said, "I'm if I get drafted, I'm I'm gay. I can't serve in the military, and I'm going to say that. I'm going to demand that you discharge me." A gay discharge. Well, I've had those before. <laughs> um, 
Said, and people would say, that's so unpatriotic, and you're just trying to get out of it. No, like you, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to say, in peacetime, you cannot serve in the military, you cannot protect this country, but we need you if there's a war. What kind of country does that? Right. You're like, listen, you don't think I want to be around a bunch of men naked that are just muscular and bald mm-hmm. in their you know, just 20s sweaty. and sweaty? I, I mean, probably would have stayed in. <laughs> no, I'll stay another tour. Uh, yeah, you're like, no, I can't. You guys don't want me here because you're going to beat, beat me up and possibly kill yeah. me. Yeah. What, you're making it sound like I wish I was drafted now. <laughs> Dope. Well, maybe okay, you- well, some things do change now. For instance, there was a, a poll out uh this week that for the first time ever republicans a majority 51 percent support same-sex marriage oh that's news yeah well that's big where was that in the headlines um that is a big deal i mean you we went all these these years where where they didn't uh i guess a question on that though like what percentage of the electorate is republican do we know i mean I'm, i don't think you don't know but it's not 50 percent. it's not like 50 percent are democrats 50 percent are are Republican. It's probably a third, but even still, why? Well, it only matters at the, at the, when did the votes, the votes that count and the people that show up to vote. Yeah, because so the world could, I mean, the country could be ninety percent Democrat, but if that ten percent votes at a higher right percentage than the other one, that's all that matters. Which is the whole point that takes us back to the voting laws. If you make it harder for Democrats to vote that really elevates the shrinking Republican. They know they have to change the laws in order to stay in power. Hey, we don't have to make fun of old people just because they have shrink, you know, shrinkage. Do old people have shrinkage? And they're, I don't know, you like old people. Um, You know, I've seen it as a former EMT. I've seen them, you know, <laughs> shrivel up, and I've seen them just fall off the cot. Fall off the cot? But just cause the they, penis. Because they had a big penis, or is that an old Yeah, I think some thing? of them... Sh- stretch like your penis is full of cartilage Mm -hmm. and they say your ears your nose like cartilage like have you ever noticed older people's ears get longer yep and their nose starts to get into their mouth (laughs) starts to touch their chin hey the penis is just full of that cartilage that so your penis actually gets bigger when you get older well i'd say longer Longer. probably skinnier too though because it just starts it just stretches (laughs) well hey you know what folks there's hope for us all uh well that's uh that's news we didn't know yeah <laughs> news we we didn't know we could use uh well um i think that's crazy though 51 percent. that's that's and it took us all i mean gay marriage has been in full effect since again 2015 uh and it still took six years for the republicans to be like you know what i guess we're okay with that yeah and i'm not impressed i'm not giving them a no, uh, pat on the back for that. There's still 49%. See, this is what we do a lot of times with the ignorant people is that when they we that is progress, which it is and that's great. But the fact that oh, wow, you minded your own business and didn't make someone else getting married about you. I'm really excited for you. <laughs> good for good for you. Yeah. Well, that's a low bar. It is, but at the same time, isn't it? No, I mean it's good it's and this a, podcast is about talking about achievements like that but at the end of the day it's kind of like dang boo why'd you ever care no now you sound like a full-on gen z like this should this is the way things always should be what do you mean we have to fight we still have to fight oh no it's perspective see this is a lot of times when we're like you did a good job because you didn't say the n-word today (laughs) you know that kind of stuff how we baby people that are in the majority 
that have so much they know their power to to change the voting laws or to make it have ridiculous anti-trans kid laws yeah. you know or bathroom laws and if it fails 49 to 51 we could think that oh what a great country we live in right no why was this ever put on the ballot which you have to have enough a certain signatures to even put it on the ballot we just, I just don't want to give too much credence to people that are trash. Well, that's fair. Um, and also when you start playing up, isn't this great? You know, 51% of Republicans, blah, blah, blah. You take your eye off the ball and you think you don't have to fight as hard. Last year we talked about, uh, around this time, the uh, only because we're posting it, well, we just posted about it uh, on the on one of our dailies on, on social media. Um but the the there was a delegation of LGBTQ people, gays and lesbians, that went to the White House when President Carter was in in office, and that was a big deal. But nothing got done. Uh, and so, as I write it with the twenty twenty one pen, uh, it is interesting to be like, well, you know, it was a big moment in LGBTQ history. Like they went to the White House and nothing happened. But we got you know we well had, there was started a conversation like, you know what I mean? Now that would be like you. Know, it wouldn't be good enough, I guess is my point. Like, I do think it was huge that he did that because the optics of saying, um, I'm going to have a meeting with these people, it also showed that there was pressure that he felt like he had to answer to. Right. Well, that yeah. there was a constitu- constituency that had built enough power to have the meeting. That was the, the full thing. So if anything, I think it was like a precursor to true power. That was kind of sidelined in the 80s. Well, it gets credit for, like, uh, um, one, getting, like, proving to the LGBTQ community that we could we could work together towards a common goal that would get, advance us. Now, we knew we weren't going to hit every a home run every time. Uh, but The lesbians did. They, they sure did oh. in that softball. A league that they started in DC, um, but uh, it's uh, but it was it was progress. I mean, go to the White House now. Granted, they didn't meet with Carter, right? Uh, but uh, they met with his his team. Uh, but it, it's still, I guess, my point of all this was like he did that with women's rights groups too. Yeah, he did that a lot with certain constitu- Democratic constituencies. Mm-hmm. We're gonna meet here, and then you kind of get credit for it, the meeting, but you don't have any of the fingerprints and the blowback of right. actually having a meeting that's meaningful well, every president does that yeah so i mean that's all but i guess all that to circle back to what you were saying like yes you know it took republicans 51 percent of republicans to get to this point you know 21 20 it took them to till 2021 to get to this point of accepting gay marriage uh do they get a big round of applause no but it is it is progress yeah yeah so um, i just don't want us to be like oh they're changing their so because um, with people as fearful as a lot of conservatives are, they, when they fear scared, they start to go after those easy targets, which is right now it's especially trans people. But there's also progress in that. I mean, we talked about Rachel Levine. So it's you go forward, backwards, forward, backwards. But it's you're never truly safe from people trying to take your, if you're in the minority. You could be in the minority in terms of in the power structure because women are the majority of people, but they're in the minority in the system mm-hmm. of decision-making system uh, in the country and in the culture. You always have to be on guard with these fools. 
Yeah, you never know what they're going to do. But you know what? And, and other, like along the lines of progress, like now you have more straight men talking about having gay sex. We've talked about this in other episodes, uh, but there was a study that came out recently saying that uh, th- that uh, straight men had no not no problem, but they were like they felt more comfortable saying, "Yeah, I've had sex with with gay men, but it doesn't mean I'm gay." And uh, uh, they found it uh, you know acceptable to to say that, which again, or they found a percentage of straight men that. I don't think there's like a, not all straight men, yes. And it was a small, it was a study on a small subset of people. But you know, all these, anytime you you know, try to clock a study or cite a study, I mean, if you look in the details, it's like this was run on a hundred psych psych one hundred one students at a local college. And uh, well, we talked about this that how can you have sex? Can a man have sex with a man and be straight? And I think you can, because to a lot of men, it's a hole. Yes, any and it's a hole without any attachment. Any holds gold. Well, that's what this this study kind of goes into. So the study was done by a professor at uh, UBC. Um, that's a bank. Yes, <laughs> Tony Silva, I guess is his name. Um, and he said the reason men would straight men would cite why they would have uh, gay sex was one they didn't consider cheating because it wasn't with a woman. So if they had a, 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 a girlfriend or a spouse, like they didn't see it as cheating because they weren't with another woman. So it was kind of a loophole, uh, so that they could still find that hole, but it wasn't mm-hmm. with a woman. So their wife would not get mad if she found out, I guess as mad. I don't know. There's not that, which is a conservative mindset. Cause that article did say a lot of the conservative views on straight relationships. Um, you can't cheat on your wife, but you can if it's a man because it's not a woman. <laughs> Comes from a conservative, like, um, don't cheat mentality. Right, right. Uh, which is, you know, a flip of, of what I think gay men feel like. It's like, okay, f- fine, you can have sex with another man, but hell if you have sex with a woman, because it's like, then you're like, like especially someone who's bi, myself. Um, oh, those greedy, um, confused yeah, bi people. Because like, oh, that's that's what we. They're gonna leave. Have always said they're gonna go be straight now. Uh, but yeah, so they saw some folks saw it as not cheating because again, it's it's eight night cheating. Eight is night what cheating. <laughs> uh, so they found a loophole. Uh, and then they found another, a wormhole. Uh, they also said women, uh, you know, speaking of stereotypes or conservative views, women could be clingy. They're just too emotionally clingy. So if I had an affair with a woman, she'd want to get married and be in a serious She would be able to hit it and quit it. Yeah, and gay men can do that. Truth. Some truth. I know that's a big stereotype in a lot of the gay community. says so that's not how we are. We had um, some straight guy friends over last week, and they were... It's funny how the conversation is. Gay men are so lucky because you can just have sex and it's there's no attachment. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, and there's not mind games and all that kind of stuff. And they were fascinated by grinder. Mm. They wish they had their own grinder. Yeah, don't they? Well, it doesn't work the same way though. There is that. There is some. I feel like straight relationships, like there is a bit more of an investment. Like if you're getting to gather it's like what's going to happen and i think with gays especially older gays i feel like the millennial gays and the gen z gays don't have the same thing like they want to be in a relationship because all their adult life a relationship has been possible they didn't get well i don't think it's that so much as that if you're millennial and gen z you're young so you're not thinking in terms of like i need to settle down no no if no one wants me anywhere but but it wasn't like if you're 40 years old and 40 years old and older 
Like oh, that wouldn't be me, no. Right, but when you were when you were uh, coming of age sexually, you could you could not there was not a place where you could you couldn't open up an app to go have sex uh, with someone that you wanted to. And if you went to a, a gay bar, uh, everything was you know all the windows were dark, like it was very secretive. Like you couldn't be you could be yourself in the bar, but you know if you made it to the bar, that that's not something. You do. It was a very it was very hush hush. Even if you were out, you still couldn't be out in public uh, because you could get arrested, right? So it was very different. So there was, a, I feel like while there were, you know, I think we all have a, a, a tendency to want to be in a relationship, there was a bit more like I, I need to also have sex and um, a relationship would be nice, but I have to get this other need out and we're going to do it at a bar or whatever or at a bookstore or something like well, that. Well, for men. Yeah, for men, not for, for women. But women also weren't, I don't think, didn't have I, I think it's fair to say the sexual drive is different for men and women I'm not stereotyped I think there's some science to that um, and also it's not the same like they they could meet more discreetly they weren't meeting at bars necessarily like I think it's more emotional component that too but the meetups weren't at you know you had a lot of lesbian bars but I feel like it wasn't the same as like the gay bars I don't feel like the and when we've talked about uh, some of the, the bars that have been raided by the lesbian bars, too, that have been raided. But it was largely the gay bar, the gay, the male gay bars that were uh, raided by police officers. All my point is, like, it was it was definitely more there was more of a transactional component to relationships for gay men if you're 40 years and older. Whereas if you have grown up with apps your whole life, um, you know, since you've been 18, it's a different experience. Like you don't have to be like, oh, I could have sex, but I could also engage in a meaningful conversation with this person online before I go hook up with them, right? So there is a, a different expectation of, I, I, I guess my point is, I do think the younger, I, I don't think the same rules apply where women are emotionally clingy, clingy and men aren't. I, f I feel like the younger generation, as they're evolving or making connections online, there is there is a, a bit more an, of a need, whether you're male or female, for an emotional connection before you go steal the deal. Maybe? No? I don't know. I was never one like that. I was like, I don't need to make an emotional connection with you. Oh, I'm still hung up on calling them the younger generation. What do we call them? It's they're twenty years old, younger than I am. They're they're full lifetime. Like that's I'm just not ready to be that person that's like kids these days. Well, that's why it was like the younger generation. <laughs> but the, I mean, but the good I, news is they're well. The benefit of getting older, as we discussed, is your penis grows. Yeah, because of the cartilage. But I have to appreciate. Like I can't no longer uh, one because. I teach kids that are half my age. Like I have to recognize, like, oh, these guys are and girls are uh, adults. Like they're not kids. So I have to recognize that I'm not a young. There is a full generation of people that are coming up under me. Um, oh, in a in a productive way, Kendall. Uh, <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so the third third thing uh, that was cited in this study about why straight men were having gay sex but still consider themselves straight. Uh, is pleasure uh, in the sense that they could experience pleasure without having to be the dom top all the time. Because, you know, if you're a man in a relationship with a woman, you're expected to be the, you know, the, the one in control, right? You don't know how to say right. You've never had sex with a woman. But I think there's a societal expectation that you are going to 
ravage a woman and you know, satisfy her. Oh, and, God. And, 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 and the women are like, oh, yeah, you're really ravaging yeah, mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, oh, 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 yum, yeah. yum, yum, yum. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, and, and with where, and you can never tell a woman in a straight relationship, and I'm not saying never, but it's not as accepted to be like, hey, I want you to stick your finger up my butt. Although I feel like now. No, it's there was a hilarious, uh, <clears throat> you know, how sometimes there's a meme or somebody, there can just be a screenshot of somebody on Twitter or something that makes so much sense and it becomes viral. There was a meme that said, um, somebody said, pegging or a prostate orgasm for men is gay and now no straight man can have you have that joy well this you know is, what i mean isn't this, that sad well this is why some of the folks like it's a, it's a way for them to do like that they're like they're so scared to be called gay in their own lives and nobody would have to know about it if your wife put the aerosol can up your booty hole but i feel whatever though, you got lying around i feel though like the gen z folks have no problems with that the younger generation the younger generation those that are 20 years younger than like i say that because We'll save it for another time. But I, I've been around conversations where that seems to be a more accepted practice of like, oh, like it's nonchalant. Like, it, like you know, the gays will talk about in the in the conversation. We're like, oh, yeah, stick a finger up their ass. And, uh, you know, the straights around, they just kind of giggle like not like, oh, that's oh, dude, that's gross. Now they're like, <laughs> yeah, like, you have done that. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's a bit more accepted amongst the. The younger gen, they don't care as much. So, but these are hypothetical conversations you're talking about. Hi, totally hypothetical. So, yeah. So that's why. So that's why straight men are having gay sex and still saying, "Hey, I just do it for these things." But I still. But they always were. That's prison sex. Yeah, but they, they you don't turn gay in prison. You just that's the hole available unto you. Right. But and then you leave, and they go back to women. There was actually a really interesting um, the. HIV rate among black women is incredibly high because the incarceration rate for black men, this was in the mid-2000s, um, was higher for black men, and they would have sex in prison, but they would leave prison and have sex with women again because they would never, they didn't turn gay. So they would, a lot of them would get HIV in prison um, and then give it to their wives, and that's why the highest rate of HIV the community with the highest rate of HIV is, is black women. among black women. That's sad. Which also tells you how sad our, our prison system is. One for the one that many black men to be are incarcerated, but two, like there's just no testing of HIV and you put everyone in the same cell and no, no test. So, uh, that's, that's pretty sad as well. Um, and oh, I guess, yes. Um, so it, the one thing I would say with, with straight men saying that they uh, can have gay sex but still be straight, is that's how they identify? They still identify with the straight culture, right? The uh, I'm going to stereotype, but like the football games on Saturday and the the football games on Sunday, like they they that's that's part of their culture, so they don't identify with conversations about gay podcast or RuPaul's Drag Race or anything else gay, you know. So that that that's why they're like. No, I'm not gay. I may like to have sex with men, but I still have a girlfriend, and I still want to go drink beer. Well, they want to enjoy the anal sex without any of the little pesky societal issues that come along with being gay. I mean, don't we? No, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. Like gonorrhea. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of gonorrhea, how about a slang bang? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so the slang bang. Me, 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 me. Um, I, I tried to allergy pick... medicine, which is tonight serving a uh, two-finger glass of Woodford Reserve. All right, straight guy with two fingers. I hear the younger generation enjoys that straight pin. Um, so I normally pick topics that I feel like um, aren't common, but then I realized I'm from a different, as you said, generation. And you a lot are. of the slang I use, like when I was in my teens and 20s no one's using that slang anymore but the one i'm about to like, say like the bomb no the gay slang oh okay um so today's like slang thing is. is chicken hawk please tell me you know what a chicken hawk nope. is oh my that's okay so a chicken hawk is an older gay man that is attracted to younger young gay men so and the whole point is a chicken hawk will scoop up and eat a chicken mm-hmm. a little chick chick Yep. And the chick is the little twink. The little gay. Yeah, and a chicken hawk. A legal gay. Is the old a, gay man. A, the stereotype a, is the old gay man at the bar who's just waiting for a little chicken to walk by so he can snatch him up. Chicken hawk. I may have been snatched up a couple And that's of not an too. obscure gay slang. That's like one of the more common ones. Is so I thought, but you're older than me. You're of a different generation. Yeah, but I didn't come out until after you did. So it, it's it's different. It is a little different. Well, you sure know a lot about what the Gen Zers are doing with their fingers. I hear. I'm a teacher. Oh, okay. Just kidding. I don't have conversations like that with my students. Chicken hawk. Are you a chicken hawk? No, not yet. You dated I'm, two younger men. I'm married. <laughs> Am I? Spence? Chicken hawk. I chicken hawked him. Uh, I've been chicken hawked. Have you been? You've been chicken hawked. In what way? You got seduced by an older man. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about. And you're not really. Place. I mean, I've let's see. I've dated older, but older is in like a few years, and then I've been the older one. Once. Oh, I'm talking like. Forty years older. Oh, I mean, I have yeah. A night of passion, and yeah. their penises do grow longer. That cartilage. I was gonna say the same thing. I can prove that. And the balls. Uh huh. Balls do. Go down low. Do your balls hang low? Do you? Uh, no, well, it's a way. common thing that when an old man gets a physical, when he goes <laughs> to the doctor, they put a notch on each visit where his balls hang at a date. It's like a reverse of when you're a kid and your dad puts it on the uh, door frame. Uh, they bring out the paddle. For spankings? For spanking his balls. <laughs> and then. <laughs> That's another thing the younger generation is doing now that they're free and open. What? That's the um, spanking, world we've left for them. Spanking their balls. Mm-hmm. We, we we are to blame for for these sorts of things. I don't know. Let's uh. That's <laughs> chicken hawks. That's chicken hawks. Well, that's good. Uh, let's go to maybe. Is he still alive, Robert Jeffrey Dover? Is he a chicken hawk? Now? He is alive, and he's only sixty four. Oh wow, he's a baby. So Robert Jeffrey Dover is the first openly gay American to compete in the Olympics, and to think that. He's only 64, and there's only... I just I just would have assumed there had been someone that had been out, like, in the 70s or something, like but 64, no. 64, it feels like, in spitting distance for me now. Like, it's not... I don't consider 64 old anymore. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's about right. Right. Um, I mean, that's less... Yeah. Those They were seniors when you were freshmen. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, ice skater? 
No, if we're talking about stereotypes, this this meets the stereotypes. So let's just, I mean, let's just go full forward with it. So he was born in Chicago, June 7th, 1956, to a nice Jewish family. And then he was living in the Bahamas. His family was living in the Bahamas when he was 13 for his bar mitzvah, when he got his first horse. And he said in an interview that it was the first bar bar mitzvah to ever happen in... um, the Bahamas. I'm like, how would you know that? And now Wait, I question everything you've ever said. So it, he has a bar mitzvah in the Bahamas, and he gets a horse. Yeah. So because the horses are just readily available in the Bahamas, I don't know the. I mean, but the Bahamas is an island. Like, are they running rampant? Maybe it was horses? a seahorse. <laughs> um. So we got his first horse as a gift, like every young gay man would want. <laughs> And he um, took a liking to it. Remember always wanted those little tiny horses? And the- I still do. A miniature horse? Yeah. God, the ones that are like the size of um, Pomeranians you or something. You haven't convinced Ben to get your... No, because you right now I want a miniature fainting goat. <laughs> I desperately want that. Maybe even a potbelly pig. Oh, so you want a whole farm. I'm yeah. sure your husband would like that. By the way, But the horse, the just oh, something I could just brush its bangs. Asymmetrical bangs, yeah. Um, but I did not get that oh. in my Bart Smith. I never had one. Hopefully, you don't cut the the horse's bangs like you do Morky's. Well, I have to hide that deficiency she has in her forehead. Oh my gosh. Okay, but anyway, so he became active in the Pony Club, um, which is teaches English horse riding. And at nineteen, he began specializing in dressage. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. So dressage is a, a horse sporting event where the horse and the rider perform like predetermined movements from memory. So it's kind of like a choreographed, somebody would even say it's like gymnastics for a horse and a human to where they know the obstacle course they're going to do on and they do a little prancing and then they'll jump over it and they'll, it takes a lot of, um, it takes a strong relationship between horse and rider to do it really well without messing up. And it does take a lot of talent. So this is the art of dressage that he got into. Now, you said, see, I mean, I don't want to go for the stereotypes, but you said ice skating. Gymnast. Shot putter. But little did you know it was dressage. So in 1984, at age 28, he competed in his first Olympics. This was in L.A. He was not out of the closet yet. He individually placed six, uh, 17th, and then the USA team placed 6th. Wait, what sport is this? Dressage. What is? Wait. Well, this is a, a equestrian sport. Okay. Um, in the Olympics. Um, in the nineteen eighty eight, he came out of the closet. And this is a Seoul, Seoul Olympics, and he individually placed thirteenth, and the team won sixth. But he was out of the closet, and it was kind of, I couldn't find anything where it was an event, and even in the interviews he gave, it was kind of like, yeah, I was the first openly gay Olympian. And then he goes right into talking about how much he loves horses. Yeah, because, I mean, I think about, like, we mostly focus on, like, Adam Rapon and... Um, Billie Jean King. Was she an Olympian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we don't... Uh, I've never heard of him. But Adam Rapon and some of the other gay ones, who's the one that's really... Um, We've talked about Gus Kenworthy. Yeah, and there's a different one, too. And there was a Canadian They make... They're... they're unabashedly gay in terms of like being out of the closet not adam uh, and, and, and 
Weir and Anna Winters. Anna, no. Yeah, that's the one. You're something Weir. Uh, Johnny Weir. Yeah. Uh, but he was he didn't come out till after he, I think he left the sport after he wasn't competing in the Olympics anymore. Well, some of the more flamboyant ones, I feel like it's almost a novelty. Like, look at this crazy character who wears the plumage and peacock feathers on his outfit, and I mean, truth is be told, the crazy gay friend or whatever. I mean, uh, Robert Dover could have been uh, doing that, but we wouldn't have. Known. I mean, when in the Olympic viewing season do you watch? Do, what, what's the sport? Dressage. Dressage. Or did you say dressage? Dressage. <laughs> like, none of us are watching it, so he could have been, you know, flouncing around in some flamboyant outfit. None of us would have known. Cause well, that's like, the only way to ride a horse in the Olympics. Well, exactly. That's my point. It's not rodeo. Although they should have rodeo in the Olympics. Oh, my gosh. You're such a southerner. So, uh, he was there at the 88 Mutton Seoul Boston. Olympics. Um, Came out that year, kind of a non-event. I'd also don't think. I think it was one of the things where he was out, but he wasn't like trying to get an interview with people to be People Magazine to tell the world about I'm, it. Yep, I'm gay. Yeah, that's me. Um, going for the rings. You know what I mean. Uh, in 1992, he was at the Barcelona Olympic or Barcelona Olympics. He placed 22nd overall, but he won his first bronze medal, his first Olympic medal, because the team. Uh, won bronze, and then he was in the '96, 2000, 2004 uh, Olympics, and, and he, he was a, out the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he was he won a bronze those years too, so he wound up winning four bronzes. But every year he was at the Olympics, he was um, chosen as the team captain. Oh, look a good gay. Yeah, for all the six games he completed in, and then overall he's won more dressage events than any other rider from the USA. So he's considered one of the best horsemen. Um. The U.S. has ever had. Does he side da- saddle or bareback? Mm. Depends on the night. <gasps> it depends on the horse, if you know what I mean. Hello. Uh, and then in 2009, he retired from competitive riding to focus on teaching. Uh, in 2002, he was listed as one of the 50 most inf- influential horsemen by Chronicles of Horse magazine. Mm. Now, when you read that magazine, did you notice that? I was watching. I was reading Horse Magazine, but it was. Uh, it was a different one. It was a different kind. And you call me a southerner. That's southern at the border. But he, uh, in 2007, he actually had his own reality competition show that he created and hosted on Fox Reality Channel, what? which only lasted like five years. Now it's National Geographic Wild. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to say his show lasted five years. I'm like, he had a little show. No, was- the channel lasted five years. This was during the reality show craze, during like when The Apprentice was on and Survivor was huge and all that, and everyone was making reality television. The show was called The Search for America's Next Equestrian Star, mm. Dressage. Ratings winner. It was five one-hour episodes, and the winner got to be his assistant. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> But now he lives in Florida, and he still teaches and consults as a uh, teacher of dressage. I feel badly about some of the jokes that I made because I, I, I kind of want to have him on as a guest on our podcast. He's handsome, and it's actually very admirable that he um, – I mean, that's a part of history that it, a lot of people don't know about. It, he doesn't talk about it much. No. He doesn't give interviews as, like, the first gay U.S. Olympian. <laughs> Excuse me. Come on. Um, I haven't gotten my first injection yet. 
uh, this microphone might need it as well. But <laughs> you, you should maybe be. Uh, never mind. Um, what were we gonna say? Yeah, so that's a the interesting topic. I don't think most people know that Robert Jeffrey Dover would be the first openly gay U.S. Olympian, or Again, even know what dressage is. Because I think about like like the because we did a post a while back back in February about Adam Pond, and then there's a Canadian ice skater that won the gold medal. Maybe the maybe the the post was the first out gay gold medalist. Because yeah, they could they couldn't have been the first out gay olympians but anyways like i've never heard of him like we should know more about him like he, he we need a movie about him a biopic mm, well maybe i should have done more research <laughs> a biopic no all the articles i wrote focused or, or articles i read focused so much on just him being a superstar in his little equestrian world like he's a common name there and he's actually one of the greatest he's got to have a presence though. i mean he had a uh reality tv show huh yeah did you see any any clips i'm I'm grilling you inappropriately sorry i like i i just i'm fascinated by this like we have never heard of this person well because he doesn't make it a big deal which is the whole point that's the whole no one wants to be like or it shouldn't be a big deal if people are gay he's just living his life in the horse world he's like yeah i happen to be the gay the first gay when it comes up Probably says it at cocktail parties. <laughs> I was Grindr. the first gay. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's kind of the whole point. So we shouldn't have to be... How iconic you would want gays to be so just living their life and in every field, and it's just kind of an afterthought or just something about them that's not really that interesting. Because, you know, you get to a certain age. In our generation, you're not an interesting gay. You just got little picket fence and lace curtains and... <laughs> Well, even still, like, I remember when we did uh, Gus Kenworthy last year as a topic, like, he was saying, like, he got thrusted on the scene, like, mm-hmm. as the as the spokesperson for all gay people. And he's like, I wasn't, he's like, I barely came to grips with this myself. I haven't been living out. Yeah, but he's also very attractive. Well, yes, but he's like, I wasn't prepared to be the, the spokesperson for all gay people. And, and as the only... But see how the media, we treat attractive people... And I think especially even more so in the gay world. If you're attractive gay, you ha- you get a different recognition. People are more intrigued than if you're just what looks like an average person. That's the sad truth. But Gus, Gus Kenworthy wasn't even the first. There have been other gay ones, but because he's attractive and because he has a nice ass and... <laughs> And I think he was in a more uh, he's charismatic, masculine type yes. uh, a sport versus like ice skating or gymnastics, where it's assumed that there are a degree or a swimmer. He's an acceptable gay, and he's white. Yeah, he's not um, very feminine. Right. So he just fits an easy mold for, for to sell magazines. Yeah, but I guess my point is like he got thrusted on the scene to be like, hey tell us about gay people and he was like uh dude i don't know much about this so i can understand why uh mr dover was like no i'm gonna not talk about this a lot like i'm I'm gonna talk about it but i'm not gonna be on the cover of time magazine saying yep i'm gay and also i think what it's it's he's a wealthy guy um born in the 50s he just comes from a different era and if he is wealthy there are certain things you do as a wealthy 
person that you just aren't like, you know, look at me, here's my life story. True. Very true. Like you're you're raised. I mean, he's got Bahama horses. <laughs> Those have to be, you know, to that point, they have to be expensive. Though again, they're. I, I I'm not aware of, and maybe someone will uh, prove us otherwise. But Bahamian is that how you would say? There it? are Bahamian horses, and horses. it's a very. It's from like a specific lineage, so okay. they're crossbred to be. So he didn't have it imported. So I guess he was poor. <laughs> oh. So you get a rare breed of Bahamian horses, but yeah. he was poor because he probably just a, caught it on the beach, imported. right? Uh, and he had to take it back home, so I'm sure that was cheap to do. So yeah, but he was of the distinguished class. So yeah, you're not a horse person and uh, lacking in money, generally speaking. But uh, but yeah, all right. Well, that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna I gotta do some more research on him. I wanna I wanna hear his story. And you said he was a bit of a looker. Yeah, he's an attractive man. Not that that matters. You know? Not that it matters. I mean, but in his, you think his cartilage has been? Well, he's sixty-four. It's probably just now <laughs> starting to drip. Like the horses. It's like a bonus you get later in life. It's like you get social security, and you also <laughs> get that, but no one tells you about that part. Well, that is a bonus. Yep. A new benefit. Well, I got uh, I got nothing there. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Econ- sponsor, Economy Works. If you need help with marketing, hire a freelancer. If you need help building a website, hey, why don't you hire a freelancer? If you need help with benchmarking and analysis, why not call up Economy Works and hire a freelancer? Economy Works believes in the power of connection and wants to connect you with its talent network. The talent network has over 1,000 years of experience and it's growing in HR, marketing, IT, and accounting, as well as other specialties. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. You can find out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S dot com. So we went from understated to uh, far from it. You want to talk about the lady? Gaga. Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Born Stephanie, Joanne, Angelina, Germanata. She was born in uh, New York, uh, March 28, 1986. Uh, she is a singer, songwriter, actress, if you've never heard of her, a Grammy Award winner, Academy Award winner, Golden Globe Award winner, Emmy nominated. I don't know if she was nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. I think she was for like a special or something. Yeah, her Muppets special. Oh, okay. But she didn't win yet. But she will. She will. Tony. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing. Tony. Uh, Lady Gaga. Um, I mean, what's this? I feel like, I mean, I did obviously my research for, for Gaga, but I feel like whatever I say is not enough. I mean, she's such been such a huge ally to the community. Uh, she herself uh, in her early days uh, said she was bisexual. I mean, she's got these strong Italian roots. She was raised Catholic and uh, she grew up with, amongst a successful family. Her parents were very successful, uh, but music has always been her, her thing. Now, if you listen to interviews, she's like, oh, theater acting has always been my thing, but she always kind of gravitates back to music because she says she feels most comfortable with that. So, uh, Gaga, if you don't know, she started in the New York club scene. She signed a record deal early on uh, in the early 2000s, like pre-2005. Uh, a record deal with Jeff, Def Jam Records, which was kind of like, ah, this is going to be my big break. And then uh, she was dropped just a few months later. Uh, she said in interviews that she's been, she, at that moment, she was heartbroken. and But she found some inspiration. She thought she went um, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She thought she had a she mentally snapped because of that. Mm-hmm. 
and she said she would be crying on the couch. And the one thing that would kind of motivate her was uh, uh, seeing the Destiny's Child song, Survivor. She's like, that was a motivator for her. The music video, Marry the Night, um, is about the beginning of that when she's in the bathtub and she gets the phone call and then she goes crazy and then she's in the asylum. Mm-hmm. Is about that phone call she got where they said they were dropping her from her first record deal. My favorite Gaga song. Yeah, that's when I could tell she'd be a really good actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it was like a little mini movie. Absolutely, it was. It reminded me of a uh, Michael Jackson type like, mm-hmm. dramatic themed song, uh, like full on. Like it was a fifteen minute video, nearly. So, um, so yeah, I, I too, like, was like, wow, that's that's she's gonna be someone. But I mean, to your point, she was heartbroken. She was like, I, I'm like, I'm never gonna make it, but. The, Again, she found some motivation. She kept working at it. Uh, and then she found her way. Again, she was in this underground club scene on New York City. She hooked up with a uh, prominent DJ, at least in, in the New York City area, Lady Starlight. Uh, and, and Lady Starlight is really, you know, Gaga credits her with helping her become Gaga, like the, the, the onstage personality that we've come to know today. Of course, Gaga has evolved over, over the years. But, you know, when Gaga broke out of the scene, it, it's, it's that... Um, it, it's got fingerprints of Lady Starlight. Well, she said right when she first started performing at like amateur nights and open mic stuff, she would dress, she was a brunette back then, and she would dress in normal clothes. And sometimes people would not stop talking and she would have to like get their attention somehow. One time she was at the keyboard and she took her shirt off and just sang in her bra just so people would look at her. So her whole persona came about because she had to be recognized in these bars where it's like everyone's drunk and uh you prepared for the song and you're you're not getting any traction you have to do something a little crazy yeah i mean and i think she had to right i mean as a brunette uh in in i think she's a beautiful woman but she's not like she's not Britney Spears. I mean, Britney has a, a, a an instant like, wow, that girl's pretty. Like Gaga has that too, but I feel like Gaga's got to put more out there to get attention. And and again, this is not me being a misogynist person. And if you think that, then I'm a, maybe I maybe that's how I'm coming across, but that's not I, I just feel like there's a different like she doesn't pop Gaga like it's not like, oh wow, she's beautiful. No, pretty attractive people. She's like we were talking about Gus Kenworthy get more attention and they get more um respect yeah i mean I, again i i think gaga is beautiful i i but i think it's it's not like readily like part of gaga's beauty is who she like, she's not conventionally beautiful there you go that's that's well said uh and so i think uh uh yeah so she as she's developing this personality, uh, her on-stage persona, she takes inspiration from the likes of glam rock, glam rockers David Bowie and Queen. Of course, you know, Radio Gaga from the from the band Queen is what inspires kind of the Lady Gaga uh, aspects. So Radio Gaga translates to Lady Gaga. Yeah. Although her story has changed on that a few times, she has a few different what are iterations the- of that story. One of them was like um, her friends started calling her Lady Gaga because she was going Gaga about something like somebody was going Gaga about her. I forget what it was. She has two different versions. The one that she's told more is that it's named after the Queen song Radio Gaga. Right. Radio Gogo, Radio Gaga. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's the one I've heard most consistently. Is uh, you know she was inspired by Queen and she liked that song and that kind of got linked to her. Uh, in 2007, so she hits a, like another kind of like a big win. She gets song uh, signed as a songwriter. She's writing songs for in, uh, New Kids on the Block, Fergie, Brit, Brit. Britney. Yep. And so uh, and she wrote uh, Telephone for Britney. Yeah. And then yeah. Britney didn't want it, so she record eventually recorded it she with said, herself. I'm gonna do it myself. And Lady B. Beyonce, yeah. And so when she's doing this, she catches the ear of Akon, and uh, he convinces big time producer Jimmy Iovine. Of course, Jimmy Iovine has his fingerprints all over all sorts of uh, big pop stars. And uh, Jimmy Iovine and, and Akon kind of get into his joint venture and uh, work to promote her. So in 2008, start, things start getting going. She moves to Los Angeles. She establishes her creative team, The House of Gaga. And uh, she releases The Fame, which is the album we've known to uh, produce the, the number one hits, Just Dance and Poker Face. Um, in, uh, in 2009, that was the best-selling song. Uh, Poker Face. Also, it released um, Love Game and Paparazzi. A good album. That's about the time we 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 met. We were uh, we started dating was uh, that time. I remember that because at that point I had obviously introduced you to friends and Lady Gaga was coming out and it was um, just dance mm -hmm. and someone was like, so do the gays like Lady Gaga? And I was thinking, why am I being asked this question? And I was like, oh yeah, I. I'm of the gay persuasion. Because of what you put in your mouth. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, I don't really know. But I, we I were, hadn't... Go we ahead. were at Oral Can Harry's in Austin, a gay bar, with Stacy, our friend at the time. And it came on the videos, because they, they had a VJ. And it was... Um, I remember Stacy saying, who is this girl? Mm -hmm. Because there was just something about her in the video that you hadn't seen. She wasn't trying to look beautiful, although she was dressed skimpy. But she just looked different. Her styling was different. Her yeah. mannerisms were very like owning uh, whatever she was doing. She just had like this aura. She still does this aura of there's something different about her. I will say, you know, Love Game, Paparazzi, there was still like a poppy element to it. And then she goes on tour in 2009. Then she re-releases uh, uh, the fame as under the title The Fame Monster. And that's where you get the songs Bad Romance, Alejandro, and Telephone, uh, which she did with Beyonce. And I think Bad Romance, was to me, was really the, like, the game changer. Where I was like, oh, yeah, this is very different. Um, because she had the beauty aspect of it, and then she had the part, especially at the end of the uh, the uh, the bad romance uh, video, where she just like blows everything up and she's on fire, and she's like, it was very, and she did things with her face where she wasn't trying to be pretty, and uh, yeah. and so I I thought like, wow, she's unique, and of course, two thousand nine is the VMA's performance where she does paparazzi. That was amazing. Tell, what? Why? Well, that's the one where she um, comes out in crutches and the paparazzi are taking pictures and she's wheeled around in a wheelchair. And then at the end of it, she um, dies. She's hanging from a rope, basically. And well, she starts she, bleeding. She, yeah, she's bleeding. like She gets blood in her eye. Yep. And you can tell the celebrity, she was so new to where no one knew what she was capable of. And every time they would show the audience reaction, they were just standing there with their mouth wide open, like, who is this person? But she says she was a a student of fame. That's why a lot of her 
songs are about fame and paparazzi and that kind of stuff because she studied how to be a superstar. Yeah. And she got what she wanted, and now she kind of uh, is dealing with the consequences. Mm-hmm. But she studied what – she's like a student of Michael Jackson, David Bowie, all these type of people to where everything she does is really intentional and the visuals of it. Like her – she was doing music videos when people were still doing music videos, when they were still important, when people were still watching MTV, the very last years of watching MTV and, and VH1. And she was doing stuff that was really different, and I think it's because – she had studied Madonna and Michael Jackson and knew what worked and knew what worked for her, mm-hmm. and it worked really well. Yeah, she told stories with her videos. It wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a four-minute, you know, cute video. Like, I'm going to give you the full story, the backstory, the the meat of the story, and then like I'm going to give you an ending too. And uh, yeah, and so that performance though, to me, I remember watching that in real time, and I was like, what just happened? And I was like, did she really just? I was like, because if anyone would have got hung themselves, it would have been Lady Gaga in a live performance. I, I was thinking at the time, mm. like as drastic, like I didn't think she killed herself, but I was like, oh, this is something. Like this is, I just remember being like, my jaw dropped, which was the, the first time that happened. Other, uh, the only other time I remember watching a performance and my jaw dropping was when Madonna uh, and kiss, kissed, kissed, I knew that kissed Britney. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh what? So. Of course, it was all the VMAs. The VMAs knows how to put it on a show. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and, and to your point, I think that's when she really kind of woke everyone up to be like, I'm not just a pop star. I'm an artist. Like, I, I'm doing this. And I still think at that time people were like, oh, it, this is a shtick. This is what she does. Because in 2020... They 20, made fun of her. She well, was a punchline. Right. And we started to see her more with her her fashion. That's when we got to, like, because she was on tour initially, did some... You know, when she was performing uh like on talk shows or whatever it was kind of quick she was the the three four minute performance and then she was out but then she started doing interviews we started seeing her in magazines and it was like in award shows and she was doing the over the top you know uh what people would say over the top fashion right of course notably in 2010 you go fast forward a, a, a year uh at the vmas again she won a video of the year and that's the year she was wearing the meat dress and she told Cher, "Will you hold my meat yeah, purse?" Yeah, Cher presented her to the the MTV Video Music uh, Video of the Year Award, and she asked Cher, Cher, the one of the OG divas, uh, to hold her meat purse. Um, which you know that show was very successful, for, or that award show was very successful for Gaga. Uh, she was re- nominated for a record thirteen uh, awards and was the first female to receive two nominations for Video of the Year. I mean that's a that's a big deal, and of course she won uh, with uh, with Bad Romance, um, and then the following year in 2011, that's when we uh, I th- I think when we were like oh this woman is not a shtick she's here here to stay because that's when she released Born This Way, um, and not only was that uh, you know the song Born This Way but the album Born This Way, and you know we obviously that that the song kind of really rallied the. LGBT. I think it was definitely a because she says in, in the lyrics, no matter gay, straight, or bi. It was meant to be a gay anthem, absolutely. written for the gays. Yes, which she was really embracing at the time, right? She was embracing the LGBT community. I mean, she at award shows she was saying, <clears throat> um, she was giving shout outs again in 2010 when she won the VM, uh, that uh, had all those nominations. She took members from the, <coughs> excuse me, the military. Which again, at the time, it was uh, you know, gay service members from uh, to uh, to the VMAs as her guests. 
Uh, and, you know, those folks could still get fired from their As job. As a statement against don't ask, don't tell. Right. And so, I mean, obviously she was making statements. I think people prior to Born This Way, people were like, oh, this is gimmicky. She's just trying to get fans, the fashion, the, the, gay, the gay stuff. But I think Born This Way, she was like, no, I'm with you, LGBTQ community. Uh, of course, with our 2021 lens, we were like, Born This Way, I mean, this is, you're, you're paying, like people, I think people, the woke millennials and Gen Z folks maybe roll their eyes a little bit to this song. I still really like it. But folks say, we don't need a Lady Gaga telling us what we should need to be proud. That's the wokest. Mm, I mean, it's a tiny little portion of the community, the same ones in the 80s that wouldn't have liked Madonna. Right. Um, but, you know, when she released this album, I mean, it was an instant hit. It was number one selling over 1.1 million copies, um, which wasn't something that, that happened often. I mean, we talked about before when we talked about Brit Bit uh, and... and um, you know the the heydays of the late '90s, early 2000s, when there were released record album releases, and they were making you know one million plus album sales. That kind of died down after a while, and then for Gaga, ten years later, to have an album release 1.1 million co- copies uh, the week it was released is insane. Now, if you're number one on the Billboard charts, it's like you sell 26,000 records, like crazy. Um, so very popular. Uh, I, I think at this point she was there was a bit of overexposure that was happening. I don't know. You remember all this stuff? Yeah. Um, but of course, as we noted, born this uh, the born this way album. Well, anytime there's someone successful, the reaction is to tear them down. The people think they got too big for their britches, so they have to tear them down. And no one knew what box to put her in because uh, Gaga came out after. She was coming right off the heels of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, uh, Fergie. And she wasn't trying to be pretty about it. I mean, she was wearing right. off the top. These were the supposed to be outfits. sex symbols singing about, look at me, how sexy I am. And then she's coming out here with blood all over her, wearing a meat dress. Yeah, she was going to wear... Covering her entire face in that Alexander McQueen right. dress. She was going to show her midriff, but she was going to cover her face. Or she was going to put blood on her body. Or she was going to put eyeballs... Like, she was going to make her eyeballs look super, you know... Huge, yeah. right? Um, so she was she was definitely bucking the trend. So that's why the rumor about her being her um, intersex came out, right? Because no one knew she she has masculine traits of like owning her sexuality, yet she dresses very feminine. At the, I just feel like it was so hard to define her that people even created a rumor that she had a penis and a vagina. Was it Barbara Walters around that time that was doing the interview? And Anderson asking? Cooper kept asking her if she was a hermaphrodite, I think he called her. Yeah. She's like, are you serious? Yeah. But Barbara Walters did ask her in an interview, in your lyrics, you said you are loving with your muffin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my love's glue gunning. Does that mean you're bisexual? <laughs> and- Which, first of all, loving with my muffin. I was like, okay, Barbara, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Barbara Walters is the one that told me that Lady Gaga was gay through a rumor. A bisexual. Bisexual, yeah. Well, she said she was, right? And that was the interview. And is. I don't think yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Right. She said she is. Uh, and so, so yeah, I mean, that's where we got to learn that Gaga is a bisexual, which even made her a, a bigger uh, um, part of the community. I mean, we were embracing her anyway because we, you know, our community loves a, a good, strong woman who's going to, like, be different, have, have nerve, uh, have talent. Um, obviously she has charisma, 
Like, like a uh, dressage horse. Yes, like a dressage horse. Horse. So she had some success with Born This Way, and then I mean, this woman has not stopped since she started, like since she began, because uh, twenty twelve she releases Art Pop, my favorite album of hers. Why did? Why is that your favorite album? Because you've said that before. Mine, mine is born. Well, mine was Born This Way. Now it's the very poppy Chromatica. But why? Why? I like the visuals of it. I like that it was, it had a dance beat, but it also had some emotion behind it. Because my favorite music is like things with a beat but also have some um emotion in it Mm -hmm. i always say i want to be crying on the dance floor (laughs) aren't you normally anyway yeah i (laughs) know in bed um so art pop has applause which i think wasn't probably i mean i I said mary the night was one of my favorite videos applause is the second my second favorite video it is visually stunning Mm mm-hmm I love watching that, especially after I've had a couple cup of drinks. And have you seen the breakdown of the how every single frame? Because she wanted the music video. She did it on purpose. Yeah, she said, if you pause it anywhere in this music video, I want it to be a work of art. A beautiful still. And they are. And there are a million references, really smart references. Like the reason she wore this is to harken back to some 1920 movie about so-and-so. Everything has a meaning in that. She gets clocked for uh, imitating, and I, I, I think she does not deny some of that. But if she says, and I wouldn't even say imitate. Well, first of all, here's the thing. There was an artist. Um, for instance, I created this, Ben and I made a piece of artwork. There's an artist called Louise Nevelson, and she would take, she was huge, I think it was the 70s, and she was older by then anyway. We say full figure now. She would take uh, found objects like wood pieces and create like a wooden collage out of them, like layered, and they would almost completely be black. So anyone who does anything like that is a knockoff of Louise Nevelson. And it's like, or Jackson Pollock style painting. It's like, they don't own that genre. They don't own that, you know. Yeah, you're going to get compared to it, but that's now in the, the world for us to make to add on to. And I think if Lady Gaga is somebody who studies fame and performances and all that, you're going to pick up your influences and make it your own. I don't think it's necessarily copying. Well, but to your point, I mean, so there's a couple of things, right? One, uh, one of my favorites, another favorite song of mine is Alejandro, which is to me like a basic knockoff of, uh, Ace of Base. But she also admits, Ace of Base, which song? Uh, all that. Oh, no, I know what it is. It's a name. Uh, Fernando. Yeah, well, Alejandro. And is, they is, called the man Fernando. That's the, no. Alejandro is the Gaga song. Right. Yeah. Fernando yeah. is an Ace of Base song. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I wasn't thinking that. It's not all that Not Ace of Base, shoot. I'm thinking of, who's the Swedish? Oh, well, Oh, you're it. thinking. But it, it's Ace of Base. Like, do, 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 all that she wants is another baby. Is oh, all that she wants is another baby. That doesn't Alejandro. remind me of Alejandro at all. Listen to them. I've done. I've done. I've done my research on the. Well, she always gets knocked for "Born This Way" was supposed to be a knockoff of. Was it? It, it is. Really is. It's not Vogue. What was it? Uh, um, express yourself. Oh yeah. Uh, but she said, "Hey, look, people are going coming at me for this." She's like, "It's not my fault." She's like, "They all do it." It's like all these songs that you're telling me I'm imitating. They are all replicating the same four beat rhythm she's like it's not my fault that i picked it up 
uh, you know, 10, 15 years later and said, this is the underlying beat to a good pop song. She's like, because it's not. She's like, it's not me copying Ace of Bass from Madonna. She's like, we're all copying the same four basic rhythm beat that gets people dancing and gets people moving and liking the song. So whether it's her or Justin Bieber or Selena Gomez, it's got to be freaking Selena Gomez because Selena Gomez has all these hits and I'm like, and Rihanna's the same way. And I'm like, but your vocal talents are whatever. But it's that same, like, and Justin Bieber does the same thing. She's like, all I did was pick it up like everyone else does and put my own spin on it. And she's like, I'm like, just enjoy it, people. Exactly. But anyways, uh, and if you're taking, if you're literally like sampling it, then, you know, pay, pay your dues, you know, pay them people. Um, But anyways, uh, do what you, uh, 2012. You also like the song, do what you want. That was a little bit controversial. Do what you want, what you want with my baby. With my body. Yeah, because she did a duet with R. Kelly. Yeah. R. Kelly has a horrible history of statutory rape and. Right. Which I was surprised that she did that. Sexual harassment. That goes against her her whole image because she's very. um, Which at the point, at that time. Female empowerment. Female empowerment. At the time, she was not out about her own sexual assault. But, you know, those. So those claims against R. Kelly had been out for some time. So the fact that she right. decided to do that, I think it's interesting. Nonetheless, she did. She re-recorded that song with Christina Aguilera, which is the only version available of Do What You Want uh, out oh, there. Oh, really? Yeah, they, they don't even sell the R. Kelly version from what I understand. Um, and so she took a bit of time off. She uh, was very uh, vocal about, you know, uh, after our, our, around the time of our pop, she was going through some um, some medical issues, had some surgery that was done on her hip, and she was suffering from kind of the, the, um, the implications of that and, and trying to heal. Uh, so she was a little bit quiet for a bit. And then in 2014, a huge pivot. That's when we have this uh, album with Tony Bennett out there, uh, Cheek to Cheek. Very different than, you know, meat dresses and everything. Which I think was smart of her. She was dressing in gowns and singing in amazing ranges. Um, I saw her at uh, New Orleans uh, uh, Jazz Fest in 2015 on touring that. She was on a small stage, which is crazy, and I couldn't see her. She was so far away, but I could hear her, and she was amazing. Yeah. Favorite song from that album? Bang, bang. Bang bang! Yeah, that was one of her best. You which sh- is a share song. You showed that to me, and it is again owning the stage. It is visually appealing. So if you're listening to this and you've never heard, you've never seen this video, you need to go YouTube right now. You can put us on pause and listen to us again. But go YouTube, um, Bang Bang Lady Gaga, and the wig, she, the outfit, all is, of it works. Yeah, and the images that are going. There might be a vocal. There might be a video. Uh, like a lyric album, watch video. there might be a, a video with her and Tony Bennett. The one you want to watch is her in this red leather outfit with this big black wig on, and that is the out. That is that is one of the best performances of any musician I've ever seen. Yeah, hands down. I watch it over and over again. Yeah, the audience was so quiet, and then at the end they exploded in applause. You could tell they just were holding their breath throughout the because she owned some performers can just own. An arena, and it was a slow. It wasn't like a ten people dancing around her. It was her, a very 
subtle jazz like and she, she uh, bang bang is a to your point is a share cover which uh, is the her shares version is so different it's good but it's 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 faster paced and it's a little poppy and quieter yeah and this is bang bang you shot me yeah, she's telling, she rearranged the, sto- she's all, telling yeah. the story that's why and she's you so good. feel every emotion and she's like bang bang and you like you you feel it in your heart you feel it in your bones I mean, I feel yeah. like she shot me down. We're gonna watch this after this is recorded. We yeah. probably, if we could pay the rights, we would be watching it right now. And you all wouldn't be listening to it with us. Um, of course, the pivot continues in 2015. Uh, the next year, she uh, she goes out and sings the Sound of Music at the Academy Awards. Mm. Yeah, another iconic performance of Lady Gaga. I mean, because it yeah, was yeah, that was so, really really good. It was that's when a lot of people that weren't fans of hers realized she could really sing. Yeah, it was very melodic. It was very simple. She wasn't. I mean, she granted she was tatted up because that's she has tats, but she was in this very nice gown, no meat dress, no big hat. It was just a very nice Oscar type gown, right? So it was it was a different look for Gaga. So people were like, huh? I mean, the the I think the hardcore Gaga or little little monsters as she her fans are called were like, where's the meat dress? But you know the people to your point the audience of the academy was like oh she can be normal and she can be one of us and she sang she sang the house down mm-hmm. to julie andrews and then uh, although there was a f- <laughs> criticism about that not so much about gaga it was like this was just an excuse to get gaga on the stage because it didn't fit i remember watching it live and i was like we're at eleven thirty. like let's wrap this show up and then gaga goes and sings a five-minute version of sound of music she did amazing well that's because julie andrews got an honorary oscar for what though Lifetime achievement type thing. I don't even think it was that. It was just like a recognition of oh. of like Julie Andrews, uh, and then she also starts singing, uh, acting uh, in uh, American Horror Story Hotel, which that was a great. I mean, so my my favorite part of that, I mean, of the hotel perform uh, like uh, character was she her opening scene the first scene where we get introduced gaga they start playing this oh i said i was gonna look it up and i don't remember it was a, a, I mean she's a vampire in this thing um so it's playing this like 80s punk uh rock thing and she's her and she's there with a uh, little cutie matt bomer. Dude, matt bomer and he's you know showing his muscular chest and they're going out to the movies they're dressed to the nines they look very exotic and then they take this couple back and have a foursome uh so this all this sex you see naked bodies and then you know, they kill them in that scene like there's just blood like it's a ryan murphy production so that everything's dramatic but the that was a completely different style of american horror story too unlike any other season but it was also the first season without jessica lang uh her acting was she got she got she won a golden globe for that yeah but the golden globes are it's more of a popularity contest Mm. than true talent sometimes i I thought it was good i mean it was the best performance ever by any actress no but i thought it it met the need uh i think they wrote the script to her and i think she did well she returned to um uh american horror story the following year uh, but she had like a bit scene in uh, Roanoke, which side note, there's something I say this because Spence and I, every, there was a, uh, moment on, if you ever watch, uh, which we've been told by some listeners, like they listen to, uh, Katya and Trixie Mattel, the two drag Queens from RuPaul's Drag Race that have their own YouTube, uh, show called, uh, um, anyways, Trixie, and this is basically that's on the TV all the time in our household, um, and uh, you know, there's a story that Trixie's telling about uh, uh, Leslie Jordan, uh, who 
no, little Leslie Jordan, uh, who was on Will and Grace's yeah. Marley Leslie. He, he's like, uh, Trixie was like, uh, oh, you know, I was at this thing when Beverly Leslie was like, uh, you know, he came in and like all flourish. He came late. He's like, sorry, I'm late. I was on the set. He, and, and Trixie was like, he wasn't supposed to say anything. He was like, I'm sorry, I'm late, but I was on the set with Lady Gaga of American Horror Story, and Lady Gaga was there. And of course, like all, anytime we say the word Lady Gaga, Spence and I are like Lady Gaga, and because Trixie doing a oh. impersonation of, of Beverly, Beverly Leslie, Leslie is really kind of funny. Beverly Leslie Jordan. Yes, Beverly Leslie Jordan. So. Um, but even that said, uh, she didn't have a big part in Roanoke. She was like some, did you ever watch Roanoke? No, but I watched Lady Gaga five foot two and she was filming that, uh, Roanoke while she was on that. And you could tell she did not want to be there. Yeah. She was almost having a nervous breakdown being like, I have more important stuff to do than this. Yeah, cause she was a, she was an extra basically. And they basically, they only zoomed in on her cause she was Lady Gaga. Okay, we're in 2017. Big, big time. Well, 2016. All right, she did uh, Roanoke, but also a big time uh, in 2016. She's doing the national anthem at uh, the Super Bowl. I'll say this: I keep saying all these things are amazing. Second best. Um, it's a really hard anthem. song to do. Yeah. Second best after Whitney. After Whitney. No one will ever be Whitney. Impossible. No, but she, hers was amazing. She did a, a spin on like it was a different rendition. It was a different melody to do it. Um, which is, of course, Gaga. I mean, she obviously did the inauguration this year for, for Joe Biden. Good performance. Great performance. I, I still like that Super Bowl performance yeah. in 2016 um, better. The next year she does a Super Bowl halftime show. She has no special guests like most people do. Because she was like, I can do this on my own. Here in Houston, yeah. And did an H-Town. And she jumped off the top of the... It um, was flawless. She didn't mess up. And there were so many ways she could have messed up. Yeah, she could have freaking died. I mean, Are you going to talk on... about the Gaga documentary? Tell me about it. Because in that documentary, it's during the time where she's um, rehearsing and coming up with the halftime show and performing the halftime show. And her attention to detail and level of like perfection and professionalism was so interesting and admirable to see in that. And it all made sense too. Like she had to, she was like, why isn't my costume ready? I'm supposed to take off a jacket and they'd be handed my guitar and she said, I need to have that jacket now. It needs to be done. Cause they had it, but it wasn't completely tailored. And she was like, I need to know if how my arm's going to come out of that jacket, how long it takes me to put on that jacket. Like, because every little thing could slow me down. It's true. And have yeah. an impact on the entire performance. You have to and like, it makes so much sense. You have to know those things. I mean, uh, Jennifer Lopez famously fell, uh, back in 2009 at mm-hmm. the billboard awards. And she was like, and people were like, well, what did you fell? And, Kudos to her. She came out. And she was like, totally, yeah, I did that. I fell. She was on Leno. She was on Ellen talking about it. Like, I can't believe I fell. And she was like, I slipped. Like, we, we didn't prepare for sweat on the back of the dancer. And she's like, and so I caught the sweat. And I, when I plopped down, I, I, I slipped. And so for Gaga to be in or any of these performances, to performer, performers uh, to be like, yeah, I need to know what's going to happen. Like, that's, that's, that's a must. Like, you have to know them. You watch that because the, the the documentary came out in eighteen nineteen. Like what what else did, were your takeaways with that? I I found that documentary pretty. How much she was struggling with her fibromyalgia. Yeah. And how her whole body would tense up and she would be in excruciating pain. I think that's what she canceled whatever tours. Mm-hmm. But imagine that someone who has that level of perfection and need to do everything perfectly can't do it because 
physically they're unable to. She was depressed in a lot of that documentary. She was, which is sad. I mean, and she's come to uh, share her experience with mental health issues and just physical issues um, just to round out her, her full kind of uh, resume. Um she, 2018, The Star is Born, uh, being one ton of, obviously that's a remake of uh, a story, I think this is the fifth version of that, um, and uh, receives lots of praise for that, uh, and uh, in 2018, she also started, kicked off her Vegas residency, so that mm. was the thing to do before COVID, uh, you had a, a Vegas residency, and she did that, I was supposed to go in 2019, and I did not go, and I totally regret it but i've seen her perform live twice she's freaking amazing if you ever want to go to an amazing concert if you're ever like which concert do i ever want to go to lady gaga is mm-hmm. the concert to go to i've seen beyonce i've seen madonna uh lady gaga i think is my favorite and britney i've seen brit brit i say this because um and then granted i saw beyonce when she was first starting so it's different now it's, it's totally different now um but uh i don't know lady gaga gives every she's like garth brooks i've seen him live too and those two performers like every time they're crying every performance they're crying yeah because they're interacting with the audience yeah okay now we all know i love britney yeah britney is just it's memorization she did have some interaction with the uh audience but hers was like I'm supposed to be over here right now, and now I'm going to go over here. And every performance, I'm always going to be here at this point, and I'm always going to be escorted over here. I feel like Gaga's one of those. It's like, it's dynamic. Oh, she's going to find her purpose in every town she's in. She's like, oh, this is a story of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she'll, it's going like, to be different. Each performance is going to be different. Yeah, I mean, she'll, I mean the, the, the choreography will be the same. The emotion she gives out will be based on something she's trying to internalize from that experience. She's, either she's been in that city before or, I mean, when I, I saw her in Chicago, she's like, oh, this is where, you know, my best friend was born or something like that and so and then she said that in cleveland and then she said in houston though but it was like oh this is where we bonded like so it is she can find those connections and make that uh, emotional and so i i my point is it feels uh genuine um of course in 2019 she won the academy award even though she lost the year prior um to sam smith and you know i love a good old lgbtq uh community member but i was i wanted gaga to win in 2018 for mm-hmm. good till it, it happens to you. you yeah because that was an amazing performance and then but she redeemed her i mean she she came back she said you guys don't want to make you know, let me win i'm gonna sing with bradley cooper and then we're gonna win and they did that amazing performance of course everyone was like oh my gosh they're in love which this tells you how great a performance like she commits yeah she said Everyone thought they were having an affair, and she was like, "I'm an actress, and he's an actor, like, and we were. It's a love story, and we were singing a love song to each other. So thank you, we did it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, people got tired of her, her and Bradley. So you know, you could see a hundred people in a room, and those make. Oh yeah, action. but you know, there there is a little bit of like, oh, okay, Gaga, uh, 2020 is my favorite album she releases it during the pandemic well you forgot joanne joanne oh, was somewhere yeah. in there joanne, i think yeah, around yeah. 2016 17 uh, 16 yeah. yep yeah yeah that was a good one uh that was it was a it was a bit more rocker which she has some rocker roots i was listening to her uh doing an interview uh with uh, rupaul on his 
uh, podcast when mm. she was on RuPaul's Drag Race back in 2017-ish. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, she was talking about, like, I have some rocker roots. And I'm like, well, that tracks with Joanne. Because Joanne was very much, uh, to me, there was a, it was a guitar heavy. Uh, and, and, and less poppy. It was a more singer-songwriter type of song. Oh, she appreciates music. Remember she wound up being a Metallica fan yeah, she and performed, performed at the Metallica. Grammys with them? Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see Metallica perform at the uh, uh, Super Bowl halftime show and feature Gaga as a special guest. Just putting that out there. A super NFL, if you're listening. Imagine Middle America that boycotted the J-Lo one because she was a woman in her 50s showing her stomach. If the Satan screaming Metallica band in their mind. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that much I desire. Yeah. Okay, Chromatica. Can we talk about Chromatica? Best album. See, I don't know much about this one. <gasps> what? That's all Spencer and I listened to. I didn't we, buy it. No okay, tell us what are the main ones? Uh, see, the, and the ones I didn't hear, I didn't like. The ones I heard, you I didn't, didn't like. like. Rain on me with this is like she's done collaborations with Beyonce, with R. Kelly, with Christina, with Tony Bennett. This is with Ariana Grande. This, to me, is her best collab. Florence and the Machine. Like, Rain on Me is a I mean, super sugary, it. bubbly gum classic. It's not like bubble gum, but it is a pop song, and it's amazing. They did that performance at the VMAs. It was, it was cute. Yeah. It was cute. Get out of here. Um, which, what is Gaga up to now? Uh, she's going to release an album with Tony Bennett, which is sad because Tony Bennett mm-hmm. has been Alzheimer's confirmed by his family that he's got Alzheimer's. Yeah, like on like severe Alzheimer's. Uh, well, in the point that he's he's not he's starting to lose um, his ability to connect things, which is very sad. And then uh, she's filming. There was a picture that was released on Twitter probably in the last month uh, about. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, she, She's House of Gucci. Or House of like Gucci. That. Yeah, she's playing uh, Patrizia Reggiani. So basically, the woman who was putting the hit on mm-hmm. Gucci. So that's gonna be good with Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Two attractive people that aren't conventionally because well, Adam right. Driver is sexy. But if you look at him, you would you'd be like, why is this man so attractive? Yes. Because you want to sit on his nose. <laughs> I feel like we've had this all conversation before. All right, so uh, we've gone through the, the resume, and we have to do that. Um, the other thing about Gaga, I mean, she's she's just she's nonstop. I mean, I I clicked on every year, like since she's basically come out of the gate, right? Every year she's been doing something. She's like club, club, another club, airplane, oh, yeah. train. Wait, who is that? It's Gaga, but she's the one that says that. Yeah. yeah, but they like the gays. Of course, the the young gays have like compiled like her. They they looped it, and so all you hear is saying uh, on. You can check it out on YouTube. It's you hear it's just like club, club, another club, no sleep, club. club. I love her. Yes, um, but she's relentless, hard worker. She's. Um, I wonder what she's gonna be like when she's older, like her career. Amazing. The thing about Gaga is, you know, she's used her platform to advocate for serious, um, big causes, mental health. She's talked about her own mental health struggle. She's talked about sexual assault survivors and supported them. She's talked about her own issue, like her own uh, uh, being a victim of sexual assault. She's talked about anti-bullying she's, uh, because she's been bullied herself. Um, I mean, COVID, she put on a benefit early on, like brought, pulled help curate all of this talent uh to do a benefit to raise funds uh in support of 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 covid relief uh she's started the born this way foundation for youth empowerment and of course she's been a huge advocate for lgbtq rights 
Um, you maybe maybe you've seen her when she was advocating for LGBTQ rights. Oh, I did see her in 2010. There was um when we lived we were living outside of DC, and there was this big march for gay rights. Supposed to be the biggest march for gay rights, and um, I didn't participate in the march. But the Lady Gaga was there, and I was just waiting at the very front for her. And she gave a little speech. It was cute. You were near the stage when she was talking, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first one. Man, I wish first we would have started. Like because I met up with you afterwards. Because I was out of town, flew in, and then we went to the bar. I was hoping we would see her, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. She was adorable. That's when she said, bless God and bless the gays. I'm like, how's God going to bless God? But it was cute. <laughs> bless yourself god bless yourself but uh but yeah so that's gay lady gaga i wish i i feel like i haven't done her justice but i'm just in awe she's one of my favorite artists out there um past present and future i'm gonna i'm gonna go on bet like 20 years from now and be like i'm gonna be telling the youngins i'm like that lady gaga lady well, gaga i'm gonna be like gaga. beverly leslie hey lady gaga she's amazing she's an icon yeah, very much so. We love her. We do. All right, well. And okay. we have a special treat. She's actually on the line. Hey, Gaga. Just kidding. No. So she Maybe said, next week if she you, listens. You know what she told us? She said, stop telephoning me. No. Nope. Oh, we just lost that chance. Dope. Hey, we'll get her one day. Don't you worry. Um. All right. Well, that's it. You got anything else? I've said it. I've laid it all out onto laid the microphone. All, all right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast this week and kicking with us. A special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check, who's going to get this episode out and available for you all. Spencer, woohoo! You can find Spencer, my husband, uh, on our Spoopy podcast and our Rupee podcast. Uh, you want scary stuff? Our Spoopy is a way to go. You want to talk about drag queens um, and RuPaul's Drag Race? You can talk. You can follow them at our Rupee podcast. Uh, don't forget to to subscribe to us so you can hear future episodes. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter to get the daily LGBTQ history. We're at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Uh, and on Twitter, we're at Talk Gay Stuff. Leave us a review. Um, our reviews are, um, I mean, while people have no problem pressing the five stars, which we appreciate, you know, drop us a comment or two. Be like, best podcast ever. Haha, <laughs> really love that piece about lady gaga love the fact that you guys debate about britney spears hashtag free britney you know whatever you want to put in those comments i mean feel free to put in the comments if you don't want to do it in public you can send us an email at let's talk about gay stuff at gmail.com we're all part of the listen works network and with that i have to say we're here we're queer get used to it